0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I do want to share a a message with you today. Um, And actually, it's not even really preaching. I don't consider myself... Uh, a preacher, like those guys that are coming for your spiritual renewal nights. Those are, those are real preachers, man. I I don't really see myself that way. Um, What I love to do more than anything else is take people on a spiritual journey. So I think what we do actually really well at Church of the Highlands and why it's grown is we make the spiritual journey that God has for your life really clear. And then we help people know where they are on it and they know what next step to take. And we just have people taking a lot of steps toward God because you do realize this, that God has more for you than you're currently experiencing. Do you know that, everybody? Yeah, like you really do. So there's more of God. And what happens is we often settle for just where we are. And I just don't want you to settle. Like God has amazing things for you. And let me say it this way. And this is not just like preacher material or just fancy biblical words. God wants every part of your life to flourish, and for more, most people, like if you ask them, tell me about your life, they don't describe it that way. They wouldn't say, my God, I have, I'm getting, I have the best life. I, get, I, have, I, I, am, I have so much of God, I can't hardly stand it. No, most people will tell you their sad stories. And God never intended you just to barely make it into heaven. He wanted you to flourish. Psalm 92, that the righteous who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of my God. Like, he wants great things for you. And I'll give you this illustration. I love telling this story um, about, it kind of gives a picture. The hottest, driest place in America and the worst, really, probably the worst place in America is a place called Death Valley, California. And there are no houses there. There are no cattle there. There are no farms there. In fact, show them a picture of, that's it right there. That's what Death Valley, California looks like. It stays over 100 most of the year. Um, it never rains there, ever. So that's what it looks like all the time. And for a lot of people, that's what your life ends up looking like. It looks like parched, barren. It's like, so so no, there's no life there whatsoever. In 2004, a phenomenon happened and never had happened before. Seven inches of rain fell in December of 2004. And nothing happened immediately, but by March, of 2005 show them the next picture this is what that same place looked like and they call it the super bloom like if you want to go google it and study it it's called the super bloom and what they realized watch this don't miss this now what they realized is that death valley actually wasn't dead death valley was dormant that there always was seeds of potential just sitting there just needed to be watered look at my eyes That's true of every one of you, every one of you at the other locations today, every one of you in the correctional facilities, like, like there are seeds of potential there. Let me say it this way. Your life can flourish. Your life can be a super bloom, but it does have to be watered. Like, let me say it this way. The right environment has to happen in order for that to happen. And that's why the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of my God. So you can have things of God, but there are some keys or some secrets to actually getting it. Is everybody following with me so far? Okay. So what does that look like? I don't have time to give you the full, you know, it take me, you know, an hour or two to explain to you the full journey that God has for you, but let me give it to you in the two or three minute version here. It basically basically comes in four, there are four basic or major steps of a spiritual journey. And I can show you this cover to cover, Old Testament and New. God has always wanted four things for you. And that is one is to have a vibrant, real, dynamic, personal relationship with him. So not a faith, not a religion, not a home church, not a denomination, not a I'm a whatever. No, you know, like you have a relationship with God. Watch this. One that you actually enjoy. One that you you look forward to. prayer's not a discipline. Prayer is that conversation with, like Pastor Jacob and I have been having for the past four days. Just we 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 talked. We enjoyed the hour and a half drive down to, to to the hunting areas of Louisiana for the car time. I mean, I enjoyed that as much as what we you know the hunting itself. Why? Because he's a dear friend. The conversation was rich. It wasn't forced. It was rich because we actually enjoy one another. What would it look like? If that was your relationship with God, like you're in prayer and it's time to go to work, and you're like, oh man, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'd love to stay. I, I was barely, I barely shared with you what I wanted to say, but I'll talk to you tomorrow morning or I'll talk to you later. What would, it be, what would that look like? I'll tell you what it looked like. You'd bloom, like your life would bloom. You would enjoy it. And most people don't even understand that that's even available. My joy, the greatest joy in my life is not to give you a sermon that impresses you. No, I'd I'd rather take you on a journey and water the seeds that you didn't even know were there so that your life could bloom like that. And it begins with a vibrant, real, dynamic, personal, intimate relationship with a very real God. Like he's very real. This is not an old story we tell in Sunday school. No, no, he's very real. Can I get a better amen out there, everybody? Yeah. Once you have that, you have access to his power. So when when you have a relationship, his his spirit lives inside of you. And when his spirit lives inside of you, now dynamic things can happen in your life that you're never gonna be able to pull off on your own. So now power, because power's in there, you can, for the first time in your life, address an issue of your life and actually see change. So we call it find freedom, but what it really means is that the thing in your life right now that's in your life that if it wasn't in your life, you know your life would be better. That can actually change for the first time, and a resolution won't do it. By the way, that's why all ninety nine percent of all resolutions are already broken by Valentine's Day, <laughs> right? I had a goal last year to lose twenty pounds, and by the end of the year, I only had thirty pounds to go. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, okay, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But, so you, and you've tried and you tried and you tried. And so what's happened for some of you is you've just resolved. Well, then that's just who I am. I mean, I'll go to heaven, but this will always be a part of my life. Look at my eyes again. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be. You can actually find freedom from the pain, past problems, people, addictions, hurts, the stuff that's That that's in your life, that if you knew if it wasn't in your life, your life would be better. You can actually have freedom from that. And then once you do, once you find, the way I say it is, once you settle the rear view mirror, you can look through the the mirror, the the, the glass in front of you. But the reason why so many people cannot see their potential is they their glasses are full of smudge. But once the yesterdays get wiped clean, you go to the third step in the journey, and now you discover your unique role in this world. Let me say it this way, that you're a piece of God's grand design. You're like a puzzle piece of God's grand design, and it only fits your life. Mark Twain said, the greatest day of your life is the day you were born, and then the second greatest day was the day you discovered why you were born. And most of you have never discovered that part of your life. You've never realized, I know why I'm on the planet. Like I can't die until this is completed, because you just don't know. You have a spiritual gift, an assignment. Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for you are written in God's book before one of them ever came to be. And you're thinking, well, if God has the book on my life, he couldn't have written the chapters that I'm currently living. But here, And that may be true. All of us have added chapters that God never intended to be there. But you ready for this? No matter how many chapters you've added, the last chapter can still fit. No matter where you are, you can still get to there. Now, maybe you took the longer road, but you can still get there. You can now discover your purpose so that you can do the fourth and final step in your spiritual journey, and that is do something with your life that impacts the lives of others. So even secular sociologists say that the only way you can have true, fulfilled needs... So if you ever study like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and study like what, what motivates and drives a person to wake up every day, not take their life, not just waste their life. Like they wake up with oh, vibrancy in life. Like what, what, what drives that is your needs and the highest need of a person's life. Secular sociologists say this, they call it transcendent living and transcendence means I'm living my life beyond myself. I'm living my life where my life now impacts the life of others. And you'll never know until you do it. But if you've ever done that, if you've ever done something for someone that they couldn't have done for themselves and it made a difference in their life, you lay your head down that night going, I don't care if it rained. I don't care what the economy was. Man, I just lived a day. That's how you live a day. And now you have fulfillment in your life in a great way. Are y'all following me, everybody? This is God. Okay, here's the cool part. Only God can do all that for you because he's the one that's defined all that for you. That's why I love my job, by the way. Because anybody somebody says, oh, I'm gonna go try, try it my way, I'll leave the light on, you'll be back. <laughs> because you, ha- you can only get this stuff with God. And so what I do, I tell people, I'm not a preacher, I'm a tour guide. I'll take you on a journey and show you parts of God you didn't even know was there. Pastor Jacob showed me parts of Louisiana. I bet y'all hadn't ever seen before. And it's cool. There's some places like, my God, in heaven. I mean, and, and, and that's what we want for you. And the reason why we have church is not just to give you a place to check the spiritual box once a week. Our desire here at OSC is to take you on a spiritual journey. And what a better time than the first day of the year to say, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. Now, there is a secret to it all, okay? And there's, there's a secret to it all, and I'm going to show it to you. But let me make this one broad statement. If you're taking notes, or if you want to jot this down, I want, I want you to just remember this. This will be the best year of my life if it's the best year of my life spiritually. And the reason is, I don't, want you, don't forget this now. The reason is, is you're not a natural being. You're not having a, you're not a physical being having these temporary spiritual experiences. You're a spiritual being having a temporary earth experience. So like what you're living in and what we see right now, that just comes and goes about every 70 or 80 years or so. But the part of you that lives forever is your spirit man. You are a spirit being. And that's the part that lives forever. So only when you feed and define the spiritual can you ever give life to the natural. And again, that's why I love my job because you can't find it anywhere else. And I, so it's so much fun because they look everywhere. And for many of you, you've looked a lot of places. So I'd love to take the whole service and just, I need another hour or so to take you on the spiritual journey. But let me give you one, one nugget that'll help you do it if you dare. So I'm, trying, I'm throwing a little carrot in front of you saying, let's go. And let me say it this way, and I'm not trying to be sassy, okay? What do you have to lose? What, would you have, what do you have to lose to have a, have a year where like, I'm just gonna do it? Well, I, I actually do this at Highlands about twice a year, usually Christmas and Easter, because we have so many guests, like, and we do, our church is large, but we have a lot of people, 40,000, 50,000 visitors come to our Christmas services and, and to Easter as well. And I'll say to them, give me a year. What do you have to lose to give me one year and go all in? Like, do it all. Like, every time the door's open, like, run the play for one year and just see. And I tell them, if your life isn't markedly different, if it's not remarkably different, I'll change churches with you. I'll go find something else with you. I'll admit in front of everybody this stuff doesn't work. And, I'll, and I've never in 21 years have had anybody that, that they, well, they're not going to do it because their lives are remarkably changed. You come to Highlands, you come to almost any place in Birmingham and meet somebody who's from Highlands and they'll tell you, man, that pastor gave me this one-year challenge and I did it and it changed my life. So I've come here on January 1st to stand in front of you and say, what in the world do you have to lose? But to go all in with God and see what might happen. And the secret to it all is found in the first four words of your Bible. So, if you went to the first page, to the first sentence, and to the first four words of that sentence, the Bible says this most of you can quote it In the beginning God. So, it's not important just to go all in with God, but here's the key is to put God first. Let me say it this way Everything that, if this became your life motto, the In the beginning God, what do you mean, Pastor Chris? Like in the beginning, God, if, if you started your day off that way, if you started off your meetings that way, if you started off your meals that way, if you start, if everything started with God, not all day, just first. It's probably the, the best secret I've ever found to helping people actually put this into motion. The first of the 10 commandments, Exodus chapter 20 says this. He says, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He's the first of the 10 commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Notice he didn't say you shall have no other gods. So he says, you can have the other things that you love. I don't mind you loving your boat and your hunting and your shopping and your your Christmas and your, your sports team. I don't mind you having other things you love. Just don't put them before me. You put me first on the list. I'm telling you, I will do something in your life. And I'm going to give you a little secret, and you need to make sure you lean into this and hear this. God has favorites. God is not treating everybody the same way. And that offends some of you. But he does. You know it's true. He doesn't treat everybody the same way. But you get to choose whether you are one of his favorites. (laughs) So it's not his. He's not making the decision. You didn't know this, but you are. And what gets his attention is putting God first. Let me say it this way. Give God the first of everything. So when I say give God the first of everything, give God the first of everything. Leviticus says it this way um, in chapter 27, a tithe of everything. In most churches, you'll go hear the word tithe, they only apply it to money. It's It's not a money principle. Because a tithe of everything from the land Whether your grain or your soil or your fruit or trees belongs to the Lord, it's holy to the Lord. So God's saying, I don't want to just the first of that. I want the first of your day. I want the first of your thinking. I want the first of your conversation. I want the first, like, I want, you put God first. You get God's attention. You're now living this blooming, flourishing kind of a life. And it's what I want for you (laughs) so badly. I'd love to show you all the steps of the journey of those four things. But let me just give you this simple principle in the time that I have to say, if you'll put God first, If you'll live what I call a God-first kind of a life, God will change your life forever. And you'll see him working in your life, and you'll love that version of you than the one you've currently lived. And here we are on January 1st, 2023, looking for a better me in 23. Come on, everybody, right? Let's go. Let's go. So I'm gonna make it real practical. So I, I, I usually teach or sort of preach every Sunday, for about the first half or first 15 minutes of the sermon, and then I spend the rest of it giving you steps you can take when you walk out those doors. I always hated being inspired and not knowing what to do because I found myself sufficiently inspired. I just needed like, all right, that sounded awesome. You lathered me up. I'm, all, I'm ready to go bear hunting with a switch, but I need to know what to do, okay? So let me give you four steps or four ways you can apply this God first principle. Step number one is give God the first of your year. Now you kind of already did that because you're in church literally on the first day of the year. Congratulations. And there are so many that are not. Maybe even some watching online right now. I'm not trying to get, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to mess with you. But uh, if you're home because you're sick or something, get better. We, we're glad you joined us online. But if you're home just because it was convenient, I call them bathrobe Christians at my church. You get out of, here, get out of your home, come back to church. There's nothing like being in the room. Isn't that right, everybody? Just, we'd love to have you back. We just love to have you back. All right. But we're gonna give God the first of our year in a great way here at OSC, and we do it at Church of the Highlands as well, and that is we start the year. Here, it's with prayer and fasting, and then it's with this spiritual renewal weeks. And I'm just asking, your pastor didn't ask me to say this. I'm just, this is what I would say to my own congregation. Go to it. Like, participate in it. I'm asking you to come back next Sunday, and I'm asking you to come next Sunday prepared to start a fast, a one-week, seven-day fast, and I'm going to teach you about that in just a second, because a lot of people don't know about fasting. I'll, just, I'll give you a quick little tutorial on fasting. But I fast something for seven days, then come back the following Sunday and be a part of your special guest worshiper and, and, and speaker and then the spiritual, like do it all. And watch. just watch what happens. I'm just, again, I'm daring you to just start a year and say, God, before I went on any trips, before I did anything that you know, was for me, I put you first in this year. I tithed my year by participating in the prayer and fasting, by attending to all the spiritual renewal nights. And I'm just saying, watch what happens. Watch what happens. God's gonna go, hey, wait a minute. They're doing that differently than they did last year. And I'm telling you, you're gonna get his attention. You become one of his favorites and God's gonna bless you in a great way. Why? Because you put God first. Now I told you I'd give you a little tutorial on fasting because so many people, it's like one of the greatest spiritual disciplines that no one knows about Actually I just wrote a book. I guess actually should have brought some of the books. I'm such a terrible author, actually. I just I just came out with a brand new book and I, I brought none. <laughs> anyway, so um, but I just wrote a book called Pray First. And it actually is is, is I mean we've it's already sorry sold you know tens of thousands of copies and it just came out just this past week and I wrote it specifically to come out at the beginning of the year. But it's my life motto, pray first, pray first, pray first. It's this God first life and pray first. In it, I teach on, on fasting because so many people don't know much about prayer and fasting, the power of prayer and fasting in, in people's lives. But what basically fasting is, is I'm going to set something aside that's a part of the natural part of me so my spirit part of me can grow big time. Now, you can't do it forever because you die, right? You still have to feed your natural. But what would it look like if you could starve a part of your natural person and feed on your spiritual person for a period of time. I'll tell you what'll happen. Whatever you starve will die. And whatever you feed will thrive. So I'm gonna ask you to do that. Now, it's up to you what you do. Because there's, there's, you can do a complete fast. And that's where you don't eat any food. Okay, and if you do anything like that, always check with medical, have medical supervision, especially for those of you on medication. But you need to have a complete fast. Another one is what's called a selective fast. And selective means I'm going to select certain foods and just not have them for these seven days. So it might be, I'm not going to do sugar. I'm not going to do cauliflower or whatever it is you want to do. Okay. Pick that, you know, pick something that actually means something to you. All right. A third one is called a partial fast and a partial fast is you eat everything, just not all day. So you might eat all day and fast the evening meal or fast all day and eat the evening meal. So you could just, it's a partial fast. The last one, I think I coined this phrase. i I never heard anybody teach about it, and now a lot of people talk about it, but I called I call it the soul fast. And it's not, this one's not about food. This one's about the part that my emotions and my mind thrives on. So for most of us, it's, it's on our devices. So it's media. It's social media. So what would it look like if I'd spent a week and I'd listen to no secular music, watch no news, was not on social media? And I just took a week, and I'm gonna let my soul. I'm gonna tell you, your soul is gonna go, yay! I mean, it's gonna be so happy, not seeing everybody's garbage all the time, and the garbage that's in the news. Come on, everybody, right? And let our souls just rest for a while and feed on God. And you know, did you hear about? No, I didn't hear about it. And I'm so happy, happy, happy. You know, just right. <laughs> let your soul a soul fast. I do that, by the way. When I when I fast food, I also soul fast. I won't even read anything that's not the Bible for that period of time, even Christian books. I just feed on just as pure as I can Let my mind. And I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen. Your life's gonna be so much better if you'll fast. So that starts next Sunday. So start thinking about it. Pastor Jacob will preach and get us all started for, the, for our seven-day fast, all right? At Highlands, we're, we don't, we're not doing the spiritual renewal. We're actually doing a 21-day fast. And y'all can join us online for the following weeks if you like. We actually have... 11,000 people showing up at 6 a.m. for prayer every day for 21 days. It's crazy. We have to have police at 5.30 in the morning directing traffic. Come on, somebody, because they're hungry for God. That's right. I mean, it's awesome. So, And we stream all those if you want to watch and be a part of that with us if you'd like to. Second, second thing I want to, so we're going to so f- tithe or, or give God the first of my year. Secondly, let's give God the first of our month. And one of the best ways, there's a lot of ways to do it, but the best ways to do that is financially. Now, I'm not telling you what to give. Um, tithing is a principle, not a law, so you don't have to do it. It is a biblical principle, but let me tell you the more important principle that rarely gets taught about tithing: that it's not about the amount; it's about the fact that it was first. So let me say it this way: if you gave even ten percent, but it wasn't first, it was still helpful. We were able to build things. All right, so come praise God for that. But it's not tithing. Tithing is only tithing, not when it's given. But when it was given first. It's a priority principle. And I think them I think the order is more important than the amount. That the first thing you did. When I, when I get paid, I didn't just work God into the month somewhere. No, no, no. Tammy and I, this is a true story now. And I'm just telling you my story. You don't have to do it. I'm just telling you my story. Since 15 years old, when I got saved, I have, I have, I've tithed. I mean, if I got $10 in a birthday card, the first dollar went to God. That's just how I lived. I've lived my life this way. And all I can tell you is God's blessed me more than I can explain. But we still, we set up, I mean, there's a spending freeze in the Hodges household. Like she can't go to the store, nothing until we've given to God first. And again, we don't think so much about the amount. The amount, that's up to you and the Lord. But man, put him first and watch what happens. And again, what do you have to lose? To to have it where I'm going to make sure the first thing that I give to every month is God. Third area is the first of my week. So the first year week is expressed best by coming and worshiping. And I'm gonna give you a challenge that I bet a bunch of you probably don't do just because you didn't know to do it. That what would it look like if you actually didn't just worship consistently on the first day of the week called Sunday because it's Sunday, but you gave the whole day to God. And use the day to get yourself replenished, rested, fed well, take some long walks, like have some thinking time, plan, like honor God with not a church service, but with the day. And I'm gonna challenge you here, all right? Y'all don't have to like it. I'm gonna get in the car and head back to Birmingham right after this service, okay? I wanna wanna ask you to be as consistent on a Sunday as you can be. Like don't miss. Don't miss. And then when you get home, Give God the rest of the day. And like rest, replenish, refocus. Tammy and I do this every Sunday. We 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 give God a day. We we spend time together. We have our best meals on our on our Sabbath day, on our 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 worship day. We actually have a day of planning. We think up, we plan the entire week and get focused. And I've watched my life flourish because I honored God with the first of every week. I didn't wait to the end of the week. No, I did on the first day of the week, which, by the way, is why the early Christians changed the worship day from the last day of the week, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sunday, so they could honor God with the first. And it was because of the day Jesus was resurrected. There was two reasons why it was moved from Saturday to Sunday. It's because Jesus was resurrected. Come on, we we'll get some power on a Sunday. But also, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna end my week in rest. I'm gonna start my week rested. And then live the week. Isn't that a different mindset? Lastly, I'm going to give God the first part of my day. My day. So what would it look like if God, you gave God the first part of every day? Now, I think this is where preachers can be a little bit unrealistic to the people in the congregation. Because if we get out there, oh, you need know, what I'm going to spend you know, hours with the Lord. You know, read half the Bible and pray for every country on earth. Now, like, and like, I can't do that. In like fact, when I first got saved, when I first got saved, there was this preacher who came to Bethany in Baton Rouge, and he was famous for his teaching on, on the phrase that Jesus made in the Garden of Gethsemane that said, could you not tarry with me one hour? And so his whole message was, you haven't spent time with God unless you spent time with God for an hour. Well, y'all, I didn't have an hour's worth of material. Come on, y'all with me, everybody? I- I had, about, I had about a five-minute prayer life. If you ask me to do an hour, you're just going to hear it you know, 12 times <laughs> every five minutes. Like, I don't know what else to say. And since then, I've been able to develop my prayer life. I want to make it very simple for you. I don't, and what I'm trying to say is, I think it would be awesome if you could spend an hour with God every day, but it's probably not realistic for most of us. But I bet you could do what I call the first 15. So no matter, even if you have a six o'clock you have to leave the house. What if you got up just 15 minutes earlier and give God the first 15? I want you to try this. On this one, it won't take you a year to see the power of it. Within a, at least a month, maybe a week, when you start creating this discipline of I don't care what my day looks like, God gets the first 15. Now, you can't give the first to your coffee. I, I'm okay with that, everybody. like That's what I do. I always I got to get some of that heavenly bean juice. Come on, somebody, right? But then I spend, I spend the first part of every day. So the first words out of my mouth aren't even good morning, Tammy. They're a good morning, God. I, if you give God the first of your day, that first 15, and you say, what do I do? I'm give you, I'll give you three five-minute things to do. Give the first five minutes to end the word of God. So read the word. And if you don't know where to read, I encourage you to read a psalm, Or read the Gospel of John. Start in one of those two places. I read the one-year Bible. So the one-year Bible is a daily Bible reading that if you do it every day, you've read the whole Bible. By the way, I miss days. And when I miss them, I just miss them. I just do the next day. Because it'll be there next year. Come on, somebody. It's not going anywhere. Okay. And so you just read the Word. Read the word. Get a little bit of the Word inside of you. You're going to see your spirit man come alive. I promise you. If you just trust me. I want you to try this. Second five minutes in worship. Now that's basically one worship song, okay? So turn on your favorite worship song, stand up on your feet, even if you're not a hand lifter, be one right there, nobody's looking. And just slip those hands up and say, Jesus, you gave me another day and I worship you. I cannot believe how you've blessed my life. I honor you, praise you, worship And then sing that song in your best way with nobody else listening but God, to God. And then give them the third five minutes in prayer then sit down and say, God, here's what's on my heart. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray to you. Word, worship, prayer. I promise you, you do this, you know I'm telling you the truth. If you did this every day, I'm not even asking for a lot. If you did that in the first part of every day, your life will look like that super bloom. Your option is the desert floor. And I'm just telling you why, because you're a spiritual being. Am I I'm, I'm making sense to anybody out there? All right. Here's the last statement I'm making. I'll tell you a story and we'll go. And that is that when you give God the first, he now blesses the rest. So if you give him the first of your day, he blesses the rest of your day. You give him the first of your, of your income, he'll bless the rest of your income. You give him the first of your year, he will bless the rest of the year. Now we've discovered that at Church of the Highlands. The reason why we even started our church in February of 2001 and not January of 2001, because the launch team that I built Thirty-four people I I convinced to help me start a church. We fasted and prayed that first month, and the rest is history. Let me say it this way: We're not as good as we look. I'm not this good. We have put God. I tell you what we have done: We put God first, though. And this church does that, and this pastor is trying to lead you to that. Now, I grew up in church. I grew up in a Baptist church. I was I was of the. The, the 10% in Baton Rouge that's not Catholic, we were Baptists. And my dad played organ on this side, right over where this keyboard is. Mom sang in the choir, and my grandmother was on the seventh row on this side. I sat with my grandmother, so, and I sat there because my dad wanted to make sure we were behaving. It was on his side of the, of the room, all right? And when I was seven years old, I'd heard so many hell sermons by our pastor <laughs> that I was convinced I was gonna burn up like crazy. So I got out of, my, seven years old, I got out, to everybody's amazement as my pastor was standing in front of the communion table, choir singing, just as I am. And I just went up there and said, I I mean, I'm seven, but I ain't stupid. I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and so he prayed with me, sat me on the front row and I filled out a clipboard. That's what the Baptists do. Cause they, you know, you're going to become a member of the church, but they have to vote you in because it's congregational rule. So after I signed the clipboard, they brought me up to the front And they actually vote you in the church right there. And I'm happy to report it was unanimous. Come on, everybody. All right. So I got in, got baptized that night and nothing in my life changed. So I met my church, but I didn't didn't meet God. And that's very typical of people in South Louisiana. Honestly, the whole world. They've met church, but they haven't met God. So nothing in my life changed. And you ready for this? I'm 59. I'll, and this year, I'll turn 60, 60 years old in 40 years of ministry this year. I'm, ha- I'm having my 60, 40 year. Praise God for that. Yeah. So, but I've never missed a Sunday in church in my entire life, like ever. And my, my life didn't change. Fast forward, I'm 15 years old and I'm about as miserable as a 15-year-old can possibly be. I'm, I'm living the darkest life a 15-year-old can live. It's the only time in my life I thought about taking my life I was in trouble with the law. Don't ask. It's a long story, okay? <laughs> and my parents were mad at me. It's terrible. And somebody invited me to a church like this. I'd never seen Christians in love with God before. And I thought they were crazy. I thought they were crazy and I wanted it. You know, like, they, these, these people are nuts. I think I want some of this. You know, that's where I was. So when they gave the altar call, I did not respond because I'd been in church my whole life. I knew what they were going to do with me. I knew they were gonna bring me a little room and I ain't going to no room. That ain't happening, right? So so I didn't respond. I went back home to my bedroom and I picked up my Bible and I said, I'm not listening to my church. I'm not listening to this new church. I'm listening to the Bible. In fact, I'm not listening to the Bible. I'm just listening to Jesus. And I read at a red letter edition where the words of Jesus are in red. And I just read the red. If you do that, you can only get three pages in and this is what you hear. Jesus say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, will go to heaven. (laughs) Well, I thought, well, that's a problem. (laughs) Because that was my plan. (laughs) They told me to say, Lord, I'm in the club. And Jesus comes along and says, no, you're not. (laughs) In fact, he says, many on judgment day will say, we prophesied in your name, casted out devils in your name, and did miracles in your name, and still go to hell. I thought, well, my goodness. How do you get in? And he says, I will tell them plainly, away from me, you're an evildoer, because I never knew you. And it was the first time in my life that I realized he's not looking for my church attendance. He doesn't want Sundays. He wants Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday's lunch. Like he wanted every part of me. And I dropped to my knees and gave my life to Jesus. The Christmas of 1978, I'm 44 years old spiritually, changed my life. And it's what I want for you. You'll never get the best of God until you give your all to God. And by the way, I'll close with this. And he went first. So he gave you his best, his son, and I ain't willing to do that. Like, I love you, but you're not, I'm not gonna kill my son so I can know you. And God did. He allowed his son to die. That's how bad he wanted to know you. He gave his first, his best, and then Jesus came and gave his best. And you'll never get the best of God without giving your all to God. And if you do, this will be the best year of your life. And all God's people said a good amen. Let me pray for you. So, Father, I pray for this amazing church, but God, I'm asking for every person in this room, Lord, let them have the courage and the boldness to say, I'm gonna do something different this year. I'm gonna go all in with God. I'm going all in. And I'm gonna put first God in every, put God first in every part of my life. And for that, God, we'll expect you to bless us in a way we never dreamed. And I speak that blessing over this amazing church. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. I love you, everybody. God bless you.